welcome to episode 118 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. I'm Brent Nolan of AppAct.net, and with me as always is Trevor Sheridan of App Advice. In this episode, Trevor and I avoid hot lava and flying Koopa shells as we slash our way through dungeons and sneak across the Alps. How you doing tonight, Trevor? Doing good. It's, I mean, it's always fun with you have Koopa shells and lava and Alps and all that good stuff. Yeah, there's a, a lot to dig and fight our way through. And before we do get there, guess what? There's some Apple potential rumors this week. So we had the big iPhone event in September. We're officially in October, and it turns out there might be an October Apple event. Though, again, it's a question mark. Essentially, what's left for Apple is a refresh to the iPad Pro, as well as the new 16-inch MacBook Pro. And I don't know if that warrants an entire event as is. Though, though, I mean, those products could come, but it's probably going to be press release if I had to guess. But the rumors are still out there. Right. I mean, I guess the only other thing is, do they release another Apple TV uh, actual hardware device as part of this as well? Like a refresh of that? I I don't know. I'm kind of hoping since I want to get a new iPad that we do see new iPads either so I can get the latest and greatest or get a deal on the 2018 iPad Pro. Yeah, definitely. And so the real question, though. What do they do to make it interesting? Because just bringing out an A13 chip on the iPad Pro. I mean, if you bring out that guy from the iPhone event who talked for like 15 minutes about <laughs> making my own A13 chip from home, I don't know how appealing that will be for the second time. I, I don't know. I'm going to be riveted to my screen and I'm not going to be able to stop watching. I should probably it's going to be so fascinating. <laughs> yes, so you can give your own lectures. Yes. We'll, 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 re- we'll give our own lectures now. That'll be the future of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. And I guess what's also rumored is Apple Tag, which is what Apple uses the U1 chip in the new iPhone 11 and iPhone 11 Pro. It kind of is a replacement for Tile. And so Apple Tag will be very similar, built right into iOS 13. But it seems like it will be weird for Apple to create a standalone device if they just built it right into the iPhone. Like, I think the rumors probably were based on Apple's internals working on it for the iPhone 11s. Yeah, I could see where, where, yeah, maybe they just got wires crossed and that's what it turned out to be. But it could also be a pretty fruitful moneymaker for Apple. They could sell a ton of these things, especially if they have non-replaceable batteries, which we know they're fans of. (laughs) And people have to replace these things constantly. Uh, it seems like it could be a nice little source of extra revenue for them. Yeah, make a little thing to attach to your car keys or whatever have you. Whatever you use Tile for, just Apple's own thing. Right. You now have uh, an upsell for it. Uh, you're paying more. You probably have a little Apple logo carved into it, <laughs> and it looks beautiful. Who knows? I mean, I'm sure people are going to buy it in droves. It looks like the Apple card, but it's a little Tile. Hopefully it's not scratch it like won't get all scratched up easily and you can put it near leather. (laughs) (laughs) That way you could sell more. This one's all scratched up. I need a new one. True, true. I'm not thinking. You're right. Yeah. How much do you even charge for these things? Like, I don't even know how much the tiles cost because I've never looked at them. I think they're like 15 or 20 bucks a pop. Apples would be fairly expensive. Because it has the Apple tax. 50 or 30, like 50% more, maybe 30 bucks a pop. Uh, I don't know. Probably a deal if you buy a whole six-pack of them or something. Who knows? Yeah. 
and probably have to get a special leather case they'll offer for it. Uh, a little rubber scratchy. case to put around it. Yeah. yeah. If or you maybe use regular like leather, a... it scratches, but our leather does not scratch. <laughs> or you, they'll have to have like a little, uh, a little wrapper around it to to keep it from bending. Who knows? It's, it's going to be crazy. <laughs> yep. And then it might actually happen just for the sake of timing, in that Apple usually holds their quarterly earnings report on a Tuesday, and so for Q4 they're not. It's going to be a Wednesday, October thirtieth, and so. The last time Apple didn't have it on a Tuesday is because they had a special event. So we could potentially see an Apple event on October 28th or 29th. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that we'll have some kind of announcement, but who knows? It could just be they released the press release that day. I have no idea. Yep. And then speaking of press releases, Google launched the Google Play Pass and... This did not nearly get as much notoriety as the launch of Apple Arcade. Yeah, I mean, it, there was a little bit of that. So maybe it's because I'm not in the Google infrastructure. Like, I don't have any Google devices except for, like, a really old Android phone I just got to fool around on. But, uh, yeah, I didn't really hear much uh, activity around this or excitement around it. Yeah, and so, essentially, Apple Arcade, as you know, is for iOS, Mac, and Apple TV. You need an Apple device. So if you don't have an Apple device, but you still want to play mobile games, maybe subscribe and not pay individually for each mobile game you might want, well, there's Google Play Pass for any Android device. And Apple specifically made it so all of their games are brand new and exclusive on mobile to their service. So that way you're not going to see various games that we've talked about already like mini motorways and Sinar Wild Hearts and all that good stuff are not going to be on Android devices. But Google Play Pass, it includes a lot of games that have already come out in the past few years. So if you've missed out on these games or never even heard of them or anything, Play Pass is definitely going to be interesting because they have quite the catalog of games. We've actually talked about a number of these games on this podcast, including Thimbleweed Park and Suzy Q and Agent A, and Reigns Game of Thrones, and Monument Valley 2, and Swordigo, Knights of the Old Republic, the Star Wars game, Old Man's Journey, Hidden Folks, Chameleon Run, Lumino City, Stardew Valley, Game Dev Tycoon, uh, Portal, uh, Bridge Constructor, Limbo, you got 80 Days, and even Framed is on here. This is quite a catalog of past mobile games that have come out. Yeah, this is like a premium bunch of games i mean granted if you're someone who already owns a number of these games this may not be as appealing to you but if you haven't played these games these are like some of these are like ten dollar games and they are high quality games uh, at least what they advertise on their main page I, they say they have like 300 something titles so i'm sure they're not all top tier titles but there's a whole catalog of toka boca other games they've kind of shifted with their toka world to be more of the one where you're buying in that purchases for one main game but it's their older catalog of all their other titles i believe they're all in there uh so it's it's definitely appealing if you have an android device and really want to get access to a lot of games a lot of high quality games uh at one low monthly price yeah it really just depends how many mobile games you purchased in the past like if you've already acquired stardew valley terraria and they're like some of your favorite games 
this isn't going to be beneficial to get a pay a subscription service to then play those games. So it just really depends. But if you've never even heard of Thimbleweed Park or Suzy Q or something like that, Agent A, then it's like there's all these games to check out. And then Google's offering a special where if you sign up now, you get to have the service for $1.99 per month for the first year. So its normal price is $4.99 per month, just like Apple Arcade. But again, sign up right now, you get it for $2 a month for the next 12 months. So $24 bucks versus $60 bucks over the next 12 months. And that's quite a deal when we're talking about some of these games included. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a no-brainer to at least sign up for this first year it's if you even have a passing interest in some percentage of these titles, I think you're going to get your money's worth. I, I assume it works like Apple Arcade, where you can share the service across your family of accounts. But Yeah, it says up that, to five um, family members. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, it seems like it's kind of a no-brainer, just like the free month of Apple Arcade, although we've said the entire year of, of Apple Arcade seems like a no-brainer to us. But especially for only 24 bucks to have access. Granted, they are previously released titles. They're not all brand new titles, but there is a nice collection of titles here. If some of the funny ones, you have Mini Metro, the 2016 version of Mini Motorways, essentially, is part of Google Play Pass. And then you have, uh, what's well, it called? Door days. Kickers. Yeah. yeah. Door Kickers well, is just days, like the gonna... Overland game. 80 Days is just like the game we're going to talk about tonight over the Alps. <laughs> right, yeah. So it's, I mean, there's a lot of these uh, same developers. These are where they got their start. These are the big titles before they joined up with uh, Apple Arcade and started making games for Apple, uh, specifically for Apple. Uh, then these are the titles that really kind of got them where they were. And so it's interesting to see a lot of these same developers hopping on board with this as well as going with Apple Arcade. I guess you're kind of hedging your bets and you might as well join up with all these services as best you can to to continue to get revenue from these games. Yeah, it's a good way to supplement your revenue too. Like us two games, they made Assemble with Care for Apple Arcade. And then it's like, hey, Google, you want to pay us for Monument Valley 2 that we made, you know, two years ago? By all means, it, Agent A, you know, they for Apple Arcade, you have the new Lost in Bermuda puzzle game. Well. We still want to make money from Agent A, so Google, by all means, it's really smart by these developers. And so that way, if you have an Android device, you're not missing out completely. Of course, you're not getting the cutting edge, brand new, made for iOS specific games, but these aren't necessarily a bad fallback option. No, and who knows? I mean, we may see exclusive titles coming to this Play Pass as well in the future. Who, I, I, I wouldn't can be surprised. prove its viability. Yeah. That's what we're going to prove over the next years. Does Apple Arcade or Google prove to developers which one's getting more people to subscribe? Right. Yeah, it would be most interesting come a year from now to see where both of these services are. Are they both just shutting themselves down and going back to business as usual? Or are this actually sustainable models for both developers and the, the Apple and Google as well? And it's fun because we don't really know how Apple's paying out developers for Apple Arcade, but Google has made it specific that they're paying developers based on usage. And of those 350 titles, they're not all games. There's some apps in there. You know, there's like Pick Collage and Weather Apps and looking at the International Space Station live HD camera. So all of your time is paid out to the different developers. 
I don't know how much Google potentially pay you if I've paid you $2 for the month. And in that month, I used eight apps and two games or five games and five apps. So $2 divided by 10, that's 20 cents per developer or something. I mean, yeah, it was, <laughs> that doesn't seem well, very profitable. But you, you're one person. You'd multiply that by you're thousands need a upon lot th- of people. A lot of people. Yes, yes. Because even 20 cents times a million people is still only 200,000. It's still probably more than some of these games are making anyways right now in a year. Are you, are you, you think me? you're going to have a million people play your game for enough time during the yes, yeah, month? Yeah, I don't fully understand how that works. Because if you say you have an app, like I have a, a alarm clock app that I run every night. And it stays on and it kills my screen time stats because <laughs> I leave it on for six hours or so every night because I start it when I go to bed and then it's on all night and wakes me up in the morning. So are people getting paid for apps like that? Like, it, Does that count as six hours of consistent play on this one app if it's something that someone just kind of leaves open? What if you have like a, a photo app or something where it's like displaying photos on your screen? Like. Something where you're going to leave it up and leave it on or like watching these these satellite views or things. So I don't know. It seems kind of almost like gaming the system with these types of apps if they're based on the amount of time your app is visible and open. Yeah, we'll really see how it develops going forward. But I think I would make my app design so there's some kind of way people are backending using it. Though I think the big takeaway is maybe this is the only way premium titles can exist on mobile like we know the push to freemium is complete it's 100 percent done there's no is there a battle or a war it's it's over freemium games won and so for premium games is this all we can do we need a big huge company like apple or google to say hey we're gonna do all the marketing and handle whole kinds of handling all the people to process transactions and then you can just design the games and make the games yeah, I mean, it seems like this is going to be the way to go. I'm curious to see over these coming months with these services now in play, how many premium titles come out on these outside various of platforms these services, yeah. outside of the services. Yeah. And how well they actually do sales wise. Are people just investing in the subscription services and saying, I'm not going to buy other external games. I'm already paying for the, the service. I'm using these and playing through all this stuff. Forget that. Or are they going to be willing to still spend money outside of these subscriptions if the title is right, good, or fills some need that they have that you're not going to get out of one of these services? For me, I like I've said before, I could foresee that being digital board games because they want to release them on multiple platforms, and you're not going to get that with Apple Arcade if it's also going to Android. So it's going to have to be a separate purchase if I buy something like that. Yep. Though for me personally, $5 a month for Apple Arcade with 70 games right now, I think I'm pretty good. I don't, I, I can't see me going and switching away. Just over the past two weeks, to prepare for the podcast is the only reason I stopped playing Jenny LeClue. That I've already put a bunch of hours into. And if I wasn't doing a weekly podcast, I'd be perfectly fine playing that game in my free time. And then you have Card of Darkness on your phone. I'm I keep going back games. to Card of Darkness constantly. <laughs> yes, I'm going back to Card of Darkness pretty much every day. And so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I haven't even touched the vast majority of the games in Apple Arcade yet. I, and I could easily play these all year and going into next year at some point, 
I'm sure, just getting through the current catalog of games, not to mention whatever else they're going to add. Yeah, we already know that they held back some launch titles just so they could continue the idea that we're releasing games, new games throughout the end of 2019. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's, yeah, there's a time so... to do. But guess what? There's a game we're going to talk about this week that isn't part of Apple Arcade. It's Mario Kart World Tour because... Nintendo ain't playing any Apple or Google games. They're like, we got brand recognition enough to just drop this on the App Store. And it makes sense for them to do it because Mario Kart is the best known kart game. When you have a kart game that comes out on any other platform, people compare it to Mario Kart. So there's no reason to just, boom, here it is. And it's a free-to-play game because that's what Nintendo has gone all in with Animal Crossing and Super Mario Run and Fire Emblem. That's just the way they're doing it. and. I'm not going to focus on the free-to-play games. I'll let Brett do that. So for <laughs> Mario Kart Tour itself, regardless of the free-to-play aspects, it is very similar in scope to the Switch version of Mario Kart 8, where you have all the different familiar maps, and it takes maps from the N64 or SNES or the 3DS, all these different maps from various Mario Kart games, and smashes them together. And it's great environmental design, all the race courses are great. The game itself, though, they take away everything that the player is able to do except for tap on the screen and then tap and hold to drift. So you can tap in the middle of the screen to use the item pickups that you'll get, and then you tap on either the left or right side of the screen to drift in that direction, and then you're going to hold to maintain that drift, get that curve, and get that boost off it. But there's no gas button steering is passive at best and that means you're it's just a really passive way to play mario kart even though they've done a great job with the character design all the course design the gameplay itself definitely leaves a lot to be desired thank it's a free game not going to be the play turning off your drift driving your car then you're going to be able to do that but that's about the only thing you really can do. You start going off course, it doesn't matter. You're still going to go forward, and you still kind of drive on the course. You really can't lose. Hey, with you of these, I did come in second once. I don't know how. I think a blue shell hit me right near the end to bring it to iOS. Rather than me, let's make money off of in-app purchases and, and subscription services and quality Mario Kart game. It's really kind of sad, just because... A lot of people, I'm sure, have really good memories of Mario Kart. And you go into this game, and you're like, Mario Kart, on my phone, I can play it wherever I go, anytime that I want. And then it's like, what is this? This isn't Mario Kart. This is passively touching the screen every so often as Mario drives along by himself. It's They take away everything. And then also, one of the best parts of Mario Kart, you fire it up, and it's like, I'm going to play as Yoshi, or I'm going to play as Boo. I'm going to go as Toad, or Peach, or Mario, or... Whoever, Waluigi, you can pick all the different characters right from the outset. This game, you start with Peach, and then there's like Toadette, and that's all that you have at the start. And then you have to use rubies, which are the in-game premium currency, and that gives you a random chance between a cart, a glider, or a character, and you don't know which one you're going to get. And it just removes all that fun of just having full access to playing as Mario because they had to make this game free to play. Characters or other things, carts on there. Holds are so bad, and it's really, you're really doing nothing. It doesn't matter if you speed <laughs> it up; it's just faster nothing. And so, nothing. Uh, it's <laughs> yeah. But I, I knew when it, it wouldn't be a full, full Mario Kart game because 
it's I mean, now they're competing against themselves. They're putting this on iOS devices. They're putting it on Apple TV. If they went with, like, they competed pretty terrible. Crossing game was pretty awful. And so they just have always traditionally done on iOS, given these really watered down experiences and not the full premium thing. They've always saved it for their own consoles. And so I knew this was going to happen going in. And but I kind of hope that maybe this time around it'd be different, but it's really not. The better they make it for mobile, the less chance they have to sell it for Switch or even sell Switches at all. It's kind of like what Apple does. The better they make iOS, the more appealing the iPhone is. People are always going to be caught up on hardware, but Apple's software is what the superior aspect is and what people are clamoring for. And Nintendo's going to do the same thing. Our software is why we're selling hardware. The Xbox and PlayStation are way better than the Switch, but Mario Kart and Super Mario Odyssey and, you know, Breath of the Wild, all of that stuff is going to be better. Those are better, more enjoyable games. And so they're going to sell based on games. And if you had full on, full featured Mario Kart on your iPhone, it's like, well, why do I need the Switch then? Especially now that you can set up the Apple TV with a PlayStation or Xbox controller, if you had the full on Mario Kart up to your TV, Running on your Apple TV? I mean, come on, you're, you're not going to even... Oh, well, I don't need to switch anymore. I don't need to get Mario Kart on the Switch. So essentially, Apple's or Nintendo's making an ad. Here's a little ad version. You want more? Well, you can go get the Switch. Right, yeah. I mean, really good kart racing games come on to iOS device. Beach Buggy Racing was fantastic. It was very well done. Played great on the Apple TV. Like, really, really put together a Mario versus Switch, and it would be keep people from buying a Switch. You wouldn't necessarily need to buy the Switch. And so this they're never going to do that where they eliminate that need to own the hardware. Yeah, so this basically becomes an advertisement for the much better game. It's a basically a little demo version. I did see a lot of kids when I went last night to uh, a foot, uh, soccer game with my daughter. There were a whole bunch of high school girls I know, I almost said football. Uh, there were a whole bunch of, well, it was on the football field, but there were a whole bunch of uh, high school girls sitting there all saying, oh yeah, download Mario Kart. We're all going to play Mario Kart while watching the game. So there are kids, like it's out there in the wild, kids are playing it, but it just, if you just... And not only that, mentioning, oh, download Mario Kart, you can't even play with each other. Yeah, I don't know how it works. I mean, it's not like you can fire up eight people in the same area and race together because their whole online connectivity thing is weird. I can't like join a team or anything like here's my little squad. If you guys are online, let's play together. Even Gears Pop had that capability. Yeah, I don't understand how it all how that works. It seems like the names that pop up seem unique enough that they don't seem like they're they're real yeah, they don't seem like your typical fake like names where they have just a bot playing. It feels like an actual player is playing. But then again, I never seem to lose any race. It really doesn't seem like it's that difficult. It doesn't seem like you interact with it. Like Mario Kart's known for crazy stuff happening based on what other players do to you. There's a timed shell or a timed power up that changes the entire flow of the course. And bots never do that. But real right. people do. Yeah. Yeah, and so one of the other weird aspects of the game is, depending on which type of car you choose, like which speed of car, you get one, two, or three of those special items that come into your 
supply all at the same time. So when you roll over one of the little question mark boxes, depending on which of the cards you chose at the beginning, you're going to get one, two, or three of those. So you're always kind of going to have an advantage. If for, I don't even fully understand how you get to decide if you want one of those cards. Like, it seems almost random when it gives you the choice of the cards. But you're always going to want to choose the one where you're getting three things to, to fire off. The one thing I did notice, and so to fire those off, you can swipe in either forward or backward to throw the item in front of you or behind you. And then I did notice that if you had an item like the triple shell or something where the, or three boosts where you have three of those items, I found it very difficult to use them in succession. It seems like when I press the screen, it just used them all at once. It never seemed to like save them. It just fired them all in one go, which was kind of annoying because especially when you want to strategize and use them or if you only have one item that you can pick up you kind of want to save those and fire them off slowly and it just seemed to always trigger them all at once for me you know what's interesting is that the more we talk about this the more i feel like i want to play mario kart on the switch and i didn't get mario kart 8 on the switch because i got mario kart 8 on the wii u and it's essentially the same game they updated the graphics and they improved kind of the back end but it's the same game and so I wasn't prone to getting it again, but I haven't played regular Mario Kart on an actual Nintendo console in a long time. And this, I guess the advertising work. I haven't really thought about Mario Kart recently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have the, we have it on the Switch. I haven't played it in a while, but uh, every once in a while we'll, we'll get in the mood and we'll all go down and play it. But uh, yeah, no, it's much better on the Switch than this. <laughs> so that's Mario Kart Tour. It is free. It's universal. And then... It's time for our Apple Arcade Spotlight of the Week. And I do want to mention that if you have Apple Arcade, even the free month trial, you can download Sonic Racing, which is a lot like Mario Kart Tour in having a big name, but being a pretty poor version of kart racing. But guess what? It's part of Apple Arcade. I'm kind of disappointed with Sonic Racing because it feels like they designed this game to be free to play. Apple contacted them kind of mid-development cycle. And they stripped out that in-app purchase stuff, but the same basic game is still involved. Because if you played Mario Kart Tour and Sonic Racing, they both have auto driving or auto acceleration. All you're doing is actually Mario Kart Tour is even more simple because you're just tapping for a drift. At least Sonic Racing, you actually steer the car, though the controls aren't as precise as I would like. I would kind of like a third-party controller in that game. But if you do want some kart racing that's maybe a little bit more detailed, there is Sonic Racing. Yeah, I definitely know what you mean. I did try a little bit of that, and it does feel like it was probably originally developed for a free-to-play environment, and then they kind of switched gears, no pun intended, halfway through, and uh, tried to to fit it in with Apple's uh, setup instead. I always intend my puns. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, maybe I did intend it. (laughs) But really, our spotlight this week, we have three games. The first one is Hot Lava which has gotten definitely a bunch of headlines and big kind of focus of Apple Arcade's, Apple's actual marketing materials, commercials, all that good stuff. It comes from the makers of Don't Starve. And with that game, that was a survival adventure game where it's all 2D based. And Hot Lava is completely different. This is kind of a 3D platformer that focuses on the idea that the floor is lava and you have to play through these various familiarities. You start at the school grounds, you're at the gym, you go out to the park, and you have the usual ideas. And so, again, the floor is lava, and you need to jump 
from area to area to try to collect these various collectibles and make it through the entire course. There's various types of courses you have to get through. And I play this game with touch and I was full on, okay, I'm gonna play this game with touch. And it is extremely difficult to play with touch. Like it's a whole additional <laughs> added challenge just to deal with the touch control scheme. It does not really work at all, especially once you do fire up with a third party, third party controller. Now that you have access to a PlayStation or Xbox controller, you connect that with hot lava and it feels like you're just playing on an Xbox or PlayStation with the 3D graphical design, especially on the iPad. It looks great. And then the precision, because you're going to need this is a precise game. You're jumping across like a jungle gym or whatever. There's little tiny areas to land on. It's not you have you don't have this big, huge platform area to get a land on. So you need really precision to jump and then nail the landing. And really, once you get into the game, you realize that you want to build kind of consecutive sequences where you don't really stop. You just get this whole hopping back and forth on the little platform. So you really need a third party controller for this game. But everything else is really great. It's just don't go into this playing with touch. You'll just hate it. You'll hate yourself. You'll hate the game. You'll get frustrated. You'll hate that you signed up for Apple Arcade. (laughs) Just use a controller. Yeah, so, yeah, with touch, there's almost like this element of AR in there where you have to turn the iPad or whatever device you're to kind of change where you're viewing to then maybe try to jump onto this other railing or whatever. And it becomes so awkward, so hard to control that I immediately switched to a, a physical controller as well. And it was like night yep, and day. Night and day. This reminds me a lot of like uh, Mirror's Edge. That's the kind of feeling I got from it. And as soon as I had the controller, it was immediately comfortable and flowed so well. It looked absolutely gorgeous on my iPad with the controller sitting there playing with it. Something weird happened because I loaded it onto my fifth gen, uh, only 1080p, but fifth gen. Uh, I, Apple TV, and I don't know, I started looking for settings, but it looks so pixelized and so, like, really, gr- like, grimy and all blurry, and it looked terrible on the Apple TV. I don't know what was going on, but it did not look good at all. And I, I don't and I played other games on the Apple TV, and they all looked fine. So I don't know what was going on with this, but it looked so bad like almost unplayable like the movement all was smooth and moved around just fine it just was so low res and looked so bad that i don't i i was convinced there had to be a setting that i must have had turned on to improve the speed by reducing the graphics but i couldn't find any kind of setting like that so just something weird was happening i i tried it out tonight i had always played on the ipad but before we talked about it i wanted to at least give it a go on the TV, just see. And I don't know what the deal is with that. That's definitely but, worth noting because uh, I haven't one, tried the Apple TV. But one thing I definitely do not want to forget to mention, that this game has the best hands-down ever intro to a game. And I sat there and watched the entire thing, and it went on and on and on. But it felt like you're watching like an old late 80s, early 90s, like animated series for kids and then they'll be talking about doing things that will be happening in there and then they'll cut to a fake commercial with these kids playing with the toys for this like story the basically the backstory for the game the little action figures and play sets for the figures and in the story of the game and then they'll cut back to the animated 
little sequence again and back to another commercial and then it was so good so entertaining and like I, i'm like is this the game is this how we play it and i had no idea what was going on but i thoroughly enjoyed it, it it's amazing you know I do want to give credit. I don't know if Apple did it or what, but a lot of Apple Arcade games have introductory cutscenes. Like, even a different art style and voiceover work not connected to the game at all. Like, a tone was a great example. You watch this opening credit scene, you go into the game, they don't feel like the same things at all. So I don't know if Apple put their marketing team on making little intro cutscenes, but you're right. The one for Hot Lava is outstanding with the whole G.I. Joe connection built out even further. Even the entire game (laughs) is based on the idea that you're not jumping across the lava. Essentially, you have a little, like, action figure that you're jumping across the lava. So it's like you're the kid controlling the little action figure, jumping him around and moving him through the different environments. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a very interesting game. And if you get a physical controller, it works so well. And it just feels so natural to be jumping around. And it's basically... The classic game of the forest lava, especially if you're jumping around the school or jumping around the gymnasium, like it feels like like the type of game you probably played as a kid, jumping from chair and object to object and object. But obviously here there's a much uh, more dangerous thing because there's actually lava that's going to take you out if you land. But you respawn and you can continue to try and you're just trying to do it as quickly as you can and hit all the little trigger points. But this is a really fun game. I I wish I hopefully I can figure out what the issue is with the Apple TV because it was fun to play on the TV. But even just with a controller on my uh, 9.7 inch iPad, it felt very nice to play. Just set up as like a little screen and then just sit there in a chair or a couch and uh, play on that. And it it looks great. If you like any type of platformers, any type of game with that whole jumping and precision movement through an environment, you're going to be right at home with hot lava as long as you use a controller. Use a controller. Yes. (laughs) Use the controller, yes. So that's Hot Lava. It's available on Apple Arcade. Be sure to sign up for a free trial. And then there's Grindstone, which is a fun little match three game. This is the only match three game available on Apple Arcade to start with. And it's not the familiar bejeweled Candy Crush style where you swap items to create the matches. Instead, it's the Kinect style. So you're going to make a line that has diagonal or whatever, you just need to make a sequence from same colored characters. So you play as this big Viking type of guy, and he's going into a cave, and there's all kinds of enemies, and he needs to defeat enemies. If you chain together more than 10 enemies, you earn a grindstone. And then if that chain goes to 15 or 20, you get bigger grindstones, but the same idea is in play. And then as you go, there's going to be bigger and badder enemies. There's going to be chests to unlock, and there's going to be various areas to break through, various walls and type of things like that. But the core idea is super accessible. It's as accessible as you possibly could imagine, where you drag your finger and you have the blue character, you connect it to the blue character, whether it's to the left, the right, the top, the bottom, or diagonally in any of those areas. So you have eight potential moves. You know, it's the essential compass idea, and you want to build that biggest sequence that you can. And it's awesome how you make that sequence through almost everything. And then once you are complete with that sequence, your character then goes and slices through all of them in a great cutscene animation, or not even cutscene, just right in the gameplay area. He slices and dices them all up, and you just keep going through. It's just super accessible puzzle ideas, and it has that rewarding battle scheme idea to give you more compelling ideas as you go from level to level. 
Yeah, I was surprised at how strategic the game is. So, because you really can take your time planning out each and every one of your moves, and you can redraw those lines, you can keep on deciding, and then when you're ready to trigger it, then you hit the, the little slicing button to go, and then you see him perform everything. So you can really plan out, because you, what'll happen is over time, the various enemies start to get angry, and then you do not want to stop next to one of them, or at least near enough that you're within their their attack path otherwise you're going to lose a heart at the end so you do all your slicing and dicing then you stop and then if you're near one of these enemies they're going to attack you and so you really have to plan everything out you kind of want to plan to try to hit that grindstone if you can because that'll let you now switch what color enemies you're going through so you can really build those giant paths if you plan it all out and the one thing i liked about the way you selected your path was you have the option of doing the whole dragging where you drag from character to character which worked great on the ipad because you could see everything on the phone my the stuff was a little bit smaller and so it was nice that they also give you the option of tapping on each individual one that you want to do and then you can tap anywhere along your line and it'll drag it back to that point and then you can redraw the the path until you're happy with exactly what you want to do and then and then fire it off. Yeah, they, it's not that idea where everything is time-based or you have new things dropping in. You, It's kind of like Card of Darkness where you strategize every move that you're going to make and you see, like, maybe if I just get rid of these five blue guys down the corner, everything's going to cascade down and then I'll have this big, like, 25 chain of red guys that I can slice and dice through. And, of course, those bigger enemies that you come across... They need 10 to attack them. Even boxes need three. So you need to make sure that you chain together enough enemies to have enough attack power at the end of your sequence to even go against these guys. Like, say, the big boss guy is standing right next to you. You can't do anything to him unless you go and grab a lot of enemies before you even face him. So, like you said, that whole strategy idea of building up your matches and finding that best chain that you can possibly get through to weave... And use, make sure you use the diagonals as you're going through, because that's going to have the ability to weave through really ornate stretches through all the enemies. Yeah, I mean, and sometimes you're going to have to stop short and not do the match because you want to set something enemies. else up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so one of the things that kind of confused me at first was you have this heart meter. So you have three of these hearts from the start. And if you lose a heart, you don't get it back the next time you play. That's gone. And so. You eventually, if you lose all the hearts, the next time you start, you're only going to start with a single heart. You can buy more with the premium in-game currency, but it's stuff that you earn. So you can put yourself in a situation where you have to backtrack and play previous things to earn back the currency you're going to need to maybe refill your hearts and then then move on. So it's kind of almost like a roguelike where you have this within the game currency that you kind of have to keep track of and you're getting um uh things to improve your character new weapons better weapons better shielding other things to help protect you but then you're also going to have to watch that heart meter and use the the currency you earn to refill it if you take too much damage and lose uh because you do have the option of even if once you open that doorway you can keep on playing the level as much as you want uh, or maybe you're just down too far on the screen and you can't reach the doorway so you now have to like get to the door even after you've killed enough enemies to open it 
And sometimes you'll just want to keep playing the level you're in to rack up some additional points and additional coins to use to purchase things. Other times you might want to just get the heck out of there because there's so many rage enemies, you really don't have a spot to stop at that's safe. So it's all kind of like this risk-reward of how much do you play each individual level before moving on and then trying to continue on overall to make progress as well. Yep. Really, just a great job. This comes from the makers of Critter Crunch, which was one of the first games I really enjoyed on the App Store. It came out back in 2009. It was just an outstanding match three game. It was built on that magical drop idea where the your big guy drags little monsters from up above in the trees, sucks them down, and then spits them back up to make chained matches. So they have a good pedigree of making match-based games. And Grindstone is a completely different concept, but it's just as engaging and just more challenging. Like, I know a bunch of people play Candy Crush. If you're hesitant of Apple Arcade, oh, there's not a game that's right for me. I don't want to play these big, like, hot lava challenges or this hack and slash adventure, or, like Ocean Horn or something like that. There's all types of games, no matter what your interest is. So try Grindstone. Really get into it. Give it a chance and really dive into what different ways you can play match three games and how it kind of builds upon the challenge and keeps that engagement up. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things I really love about this, and at least this initial set of Apple Arcade titles, is there is something literally for everyone in here. So try all different types of games. Maybe you didn't know you liked this type of game. Like, I am so sick of match three games, like, you wouldn't believe. <laughs> but this one I've actually really been enjoying. And, like, it's fun to actually go back and play something that kind of is a different twist to match three and not the same old rush to do stuff. And it just... It feels different. It feels more like a battling roguelike game rather than your typical match three. And so I like that it's something different. It takes, yeah, that familiar mechanic, but does something different with it. And so that's Grindstone. It's on Apple Arcade. And then there's Over the Alps, (laughs) which we talked about 80 days earlier, and this is a very similar game. So with Over the Alps, it's a choice-based adventure game that is heavy on the text. Hopefully you can read. Hopefully you do like to read. There is definitely text in this game. And essentially you are a secret agent, a spy type. You're starting over in Europe and the Alps area. You're taking electric trains, regular trains, and you're traveling through various cities. And the idea is that you encounter all these different characters. And the game is built on a structure where you have three stamps. Each stamp has a different dialogue choice to respond to a given situation. And depending on those choices, characters are going to have different interactions with you. You might make decisions that cause the police to be more aware of your presence. All these various ideas as you proceed through the storyline. And if you've ever played 80 Days, that game, you had to essentially make it around the world in 80 days by choosing different methods of transportation as you go across different countries to make the whole circumnavigation of the globe. And this has a very similar vibe, but it feels like a completely different game just because there's it's more like 39 steps. If you know the book or the Alfred Hitchcock movie or any ideas of a 39 steps, it has a very similar vibe as you might need to take a bike or a bus or on foot hiking as you're going across European lands. It's very similar setting, very similar kind of there's somebody chasing me, there's constant pressure to do something. And then they built it out into this really engaging adventure where you care about which dialogue choice. You care about the characters and how you're going to interact with them 
and how that's potentially going to lead to your various missions and adventures down the line. Yeah, what initially just drew me into this was just the whole aesthetics of the game and the art style and that. And then when I loaded it up, I'm like, I I was confused at first because I didn't fully understand. I see these three stamps over the side. I didn't fully understand, like, wait a minute, if I scroll the text, it's selecting different stamps. Oh, they're different responses. And it took me a a couple of, uh, like, couple of choices to finally understand what was going on but then you you really start to get into the story and then there's no surprise that fans of 80 days will like this because it's the same guy who wrote the same who wrote 80 days wrote the story for this as well it's like and so yeah and so you're immediately like they do a great job of the way they write their stories they're easy to digest it's small uh, consumable amounts of text, so you're not like presented with huge paragraphs of text. There's a couple and chapters to read. Just, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it's nice, nicely chunked, and like we saw in sorcery, like the little things would stitch together. Here, it kind of just keeps building in these little windows, uh, these little postcards, and then once you kind of filled up the postcard, you move on to another section of the map or another. You, you interact with another character and so it's always interesting you think about like eh, if i respond this way how are they gonna I, i'm kind of insulting this guy is he gonna be mad at me if i if i pick this so you're kind of trying to choose i'm trying to be like the good guy as i'm going through and not really insult these people that i may or may not need their help or maybe they could get me in trouble and so it's been really interesting to go through i'm curious to see um even like I, I had one problem where I didn't realize if for some reason it wasn't uh, registering that I had finished this section. I pressed the little compass button. It was supposed to bring back up the map so I could continue, and it didn't. It wasn't doing it. There's been an update since, which I think probably fixed that. And so I couldn't figure out why. And then finally, I did the update, and then I was able to move on. But I had tried a different selection uh, in order to, to see if that helped me get unstuck because it wouldn't let me move on and then so then it did it and then i'm like oh wait a minute i really didn't want to choose those choices it was fixed by the update so then i went back to my other device and didn't choose the icloud save and redid the choices i originally wanted to do and then continued from there instead and so it does nicely sync between devices with icloud but i'm always conscious of the decisions I'm making and how I want my character to be portrayed and moving on. I'm curious to see how much of a difference that really makes in the long run, if I were to replay it a second time. Uh, But it's definitely been a very interesting story to go through. I don't want to reveal anything because there are all these twists and turns, but uh, it is quite entertaining and uh, it definitely comes from a, a good pedigree. Yeah, as long as you can handle reading one sentence at a time, like if you're used to reading texts that come into your phone, I'm sure the reading level is perfectly fine for this game. They make it as accessible as possible. Just keep in mind that this isn't going to be voiced work or completely acted out like a Telltale game. This is going to be more text. And so they can actually then focus on the whole design aesthetic of how they design these cities over the Alps and all these various areas that you're going to visit. And I don't want to spoil it, but keep in mind that somehow the decisions I made, I ended up getting arrested. So I don't think that was the right choice. And I'm sure if I played it differently, (laughs) that wouldn't have happened. Yeah. And I mean, again, like I mentioned last week with Jane LeClue, I really do wish there was the voice acting because I think it would be so it would add just another element to everything. 
but I fully understand why it's not there. I mean, this, even more so than Jane of the Clue, I think would be much easier to translate to other languages, just the way it's laid out. Uh, and so I could totally see why they wouldn't have gone that way, not to mention the whole added cost. But uh, even how it's set up, it's just so beautiful to uh, how it's laid out, and it just draws you right in, and you're immediately pulled into the story uh, just with the, the way uh, they set everything up right from the get-go. And so uh, definitely well done, well done. Yep, so that's Over the Alps, and that was our Apple Arcade Spotlight of the Week. Be sure, update to iOS 13. Go to the App Store on your iPhone, your iPad, your Apple TV, what have you, and go to the Apple Arcade tab. Start a free trial. All these games we're talking about, start a free trial. Believe me, you will not be disappointed. Yeah, I mean, use it for 30 days. If you're someone who doesn't have the, the income to be able to spend the five bucks or you just don't want to, at least take advantage of your free trial and check out some of these games because they are well worth checking out. Yep, so be sure to stay tuned next week as we'll have new Apple Arcade games to spotlight. And for this week, I think that's everything for episode 118. Yeah, that's all I got. Be sure to follow us at AppAdvice and at AppAtticNet on Twitter for updates throughout the week. And to everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.